This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund, and Jack McCauley. Uh, Post-spring game. What was the final score, Chris? I don't even remember. 22-13, purple. Yeah. As everyone predicted. <laughs> Go purple. Yeah. Just, uh, just kind of an overcast day with a little bit of sunshine coming in here to there. But uh, actually, it was a really good atmosphere, a really good uh, temperature for a spring game. We didn't have any rain, but... Uh, Jimmy Lake kept on uh, saying post game that there was nine thousand fans in the stands. How many did you count, Jack? It's about just over seven thousand, and a couple couple pennies over that. <laughs> you, I got around. You were 7, counting. 000, huh? my, my favorite thing was the look on Jack's face when I said, "Your only job today is to count the people in the stands." There was what a couple thousand, maybe. I I I, I thought I thought five. it was I over five thousand. I thought it was. I put five to seven thousand yeah. somewhere in there. I okay. think that's probably pretty accurate. Okay, we couldn't see under us, so, so my but, count was on. But yeah. anyways, you know, it's fun to actually have a spring game. It's been a while since we've actually had one, and it was truly a game. And um, I think the thing that people need to take into context before they start making judgments, especially on the offense, this is a spring game that was open to the fans and televised. It was. Very, very, very small sample of the playbook. And, uh, you know, Jimmy even talked about it. That was about as vanilla play calling on both offenses and defenses you possibly could have run, Chris. Yeah, I mean, really, to be honest with you, to, to give people a sense, if they didn't get a chance to watch it or weren't at Husky Stadium, essentially outside of the special team situations like punts or kickoffs where they didn't really have a return team per se. I mean, they even let Jimmy return a kick. Um, which I thought was kind of funny. But outside of those situations, it really was a true live game. I mean, the quarterbacks were never going to be fully live, but everybody else was. And um, I thought it was a great job. It's been a long time since I've seen a game that was done in that manner um, and were able to do like a full-type game. Because Chris Peterson, he just basically embellished it as a as another type of practice and maybe had a couple – periods where he would do some things but Jimmy Lake is he just has a whole different attitude about wanting to to really play the game and do it as much as possible I counted if you took out the the punts and the kickoffs Kim if you took out some of those situations I still think they ran about 140 plays roughly that's a lot of tape that is a lot of tape that they can look at to get their base stuff down and they you know given the the real mixed results today uh they They've got a lot of work to do just with their base stuff. Well, you know, and you talked about base, and that's what Jimmy talked about. They ran their base offense and their base defense without any of the nuances, without any of the shine and glitter on it at all. They just ran base, Scott. Yeah, I mean, they they ran mostly with the the you know three down linemen on on the defense and two outside linebackers for. A lot of four uh, guys in the secondary, not a lot of five, but they did run some five guys in the set, nickel in the secondary. Um, 
you know, it, it just, anybody who was expecting more, I, I don't know what to tell you, especially it's the people who've been around for a long time that just want to complain about something that say that this offense is boring. Well, okay, but they're, they're not really doing anything. I mean, well, except for, I think there was a few things here and there that Jimmy just wanted to get on tape Mm -hmm. for opponents to see so that they can, you know, uh, you know, if they're going to scout this, okay, we're showing this on tape and, you know, I think there was purposely some things done that he wanted. Well, that's very much in the mold of what Jimmy Lake would do. Yeah. I mean, he wants to, he wants to create the game within the game. If, if it makes them spend an extra few hours or whatever scouting certain things that they put out on tape because of this spring game, that's exact. He thinks that he thinks that's an advantage for them. Now, honestly, at the end of the day, does it end up being an advantage or not? Who knows? But that's the way his mind is working, and he's always super competitive about that stuff. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if he salted their offensive game plan with some things where guys are going to look at that and go, hmm, okay, well, that was a slight wrinkle. Do you think they could possibly try to exploit this doing some other stuff and, and go down that rabbit hole? So we'll see. Quarterbacks, is there any doubt about the pecking order in your mind? It didn't seem like it today for sure. Um, I thought Dylan Morris was the clear-cut number one guy. Um, Patrick O'Brien, out of the practices I've seen, it was by far his worst one. So I think, you know, pe- hopefully people don't question him too much, but I think it was clearly Dylan Morris, uh, his day today. Didn't miss a lot. Seemed to seem pretty in stride with a lot of his receivers, which seemed nice. Um, Sam Heward, he didn't have the best day overall. It looked like a couple times I felt like he held the ball too long, got sacked. But overall, it's a good day. Um, for it was him. one of his better days, honestly. It looked like things slowed down. Well, things, things were going pretty well for him in, in, in moments. And then the final drive where, you know, they started, they started him at their one-yard line, and he was able to get three first downs. And just when he kind of got out of his own shadow a little bit and was starting to really run the offense, he fumbles the ball and – on where Jeremiah Martin forces the yeah. ball, and then Mickey Ayu picks it up, takes it back down to the, to the goal 15-yard line, and that's where the purple team was able to salt the, the game eventually away. So it's unfortunate that he had a key turnover at a, at a time where they had a chance to go and take the lead with would've that drive. Would have been interesting. Oh, if he, he, it would have been, been the drive of, of spring for any of the quarterbacks, let alone Sam Heward. He was, he was doing very, very well, and then all of a sudden it was just one – Simple little lapse of focus, and then boom, it's it's gone. He was flushed out of the pocket, and the ball knocked out of his hands. Yeah, and I mean, I wanted to talk about Jeremiah Martin. Did you think that he had probably the the best game of all the defensive guys today? Yeah, we can talk about that a little bit okay. later. And Jimmy Lake, you know, mentioned that too. You know, with him coming over from Texas A and M, and we can talk about that a little bit later. But you know, getting back to the quarterbacks, I you know, I agree with you. I think that's the best we. Sam had more positive moments today. Than any other practice we'd seen, and one of his drives was flushed away from a Corey Luciano. Yeah, that's the safety. Yeah, Yeah. that was safety, and that was like he struggled all. That was like who was who was the international stamp for the Sun Bowl? Was that Ernie Conwell? I can't remember which 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 one it was, but it was reminiscent of one of those. I mean, he never had a chance. Mm -hmm. Never had a chance. Yeah, no. So that's it's unfortunate, but it's one of those things. I was going to say too. The unofficially, I had. Uh, I had Sam at 6 of 11 for 64 yards. Yeah. But the thing is, he didn't make bad throws. No. He, and I think he was – I think Taj Davis had a, a key drop 
on a third down situation mm-hmm. that would have extended. I think eventually they scored a field goal on that anyway. But it would have been nice to see them capitalize on that, continue to drive, and, and maybe Sam gets a touchdown. And, you know, I think at, at times he was let down a little bit by the rest of the offense. Yeah, and one of the areas that I think that Patrick O'Brien has really done well in this spring, we didn't really get a chance to see it today, he's been really effective down in the red zone. I'd say he's the most effective quarterback in the red zone. He was, and I think he's also been pretty good in terms of, of holding on to the ball and, and not turning it over, but ironically – he was the only guy today that turned the ball over of the quarterbacks. He had a pick uh, on a pass intended for Devin Culp that was actually really, really well read by Elijah Jackson. And uh, he was able to just step right in front of it, no doubter. Um, great play by the freshman. Was that one of those throws like you described as when you lock your car keys in the car and you're shutting mm-hmm. the door where you're kind of going, oh, I don't, I don't know if he thought that – uh, Jackson was going to be able to come yeah, off of his guy. So yeah, I was going to say to me that's the it's the classic deal where he's looking to the sideline guy and Jackson's kind of baiting him into thinking he's going to he's he's covering the guy and then all of a sudden he right when he's about to throw it he goes off the guy because mm-hmm. I'm just saying that that was a great play by Jackson to anticipate. Yeah, he knew where that throw was going. Well, I think what's interesting, too, is I think this quarterback battle, I don't think it's settled. I think that Dylan's, you know, the number one going into this. But I think that, um, you know, Patrick O'Brien's close enough to be nipping at his heels and, you know, uh, motivate him to, you know, really get it done in the offseason. And Sam, of course, with all the film that he's got, you know, like we've mentioned numerous times before, he's never had to take a snap under center. He's never had to make check down. So Sam's got a lot to review in the offseason too. And I think that's going to be key in the offseason. Yeah, I think I think kind of like what you said, the, the battle's not done. But I, I mean, it seems like Dylan Morris, you know, he'll be the starter opening day. But I think O'Brien's doing a good job of at least putting a lot of pressure on him and making it really competitive out there to where it feels like there's a pretty good battle going on. And like you said, Sam, you know, has a lot to review. I mean, over, you know, first time being in a college atmosphere is very difficult. So moving over to the running backs, I I, I mean, I think it's clear that Richard Newton is the number one guy, but they're throwing Cam Davis in there quite a bit too. And I think that's probably your one-two punch right now. I don't know if it's clear that Newton is the number one guy. I will say he had, he had the best day of the running backs today. I mean, his touchdown run was strong. I mean, he got to the second level quickly he eliminated some guys, and then when he needed to step in and play behind his pads to get to the goal line, he made it happen. And that, that was a 15-yard run that, that encapsulated a lot about what Richard Newton is, can do for this particular offense. You know, I don't know if this makes sense or not, but Richard Newton down on the goal line mm-hmm. reminds me of a little bit of Sean Alexander. He seems to run harder when that end zone is in front of him. And if you watched him today, and he's done this a couple of times – it just seems like he's got a little bit of extra oomph in his arms and in his legs, and he's a lot more elbows and ankles and knees when he's getting close to the end zone. He just seems to be running a lot harder in the red zone. Oh, yeah, that's what he's always kind of done. You know, when, when he sees that goal line, he just goes and goes in strong. And um, I mean, his biggest, I think the biggest thing for Richard Newton that's going to determine whether he gets those starting carries, if he gets a majority of the carries, or if he really does split them completely 50-50 with uh, Cam Davis is, um, can he pass pro? Because he got run over by Jackson Sermon in pass protection. He looks okay. I wouldn't say very good most of the time in pass protection. And he's 
not the most natural receiver out of the backfield. It's so. the it's the reason why even Sean McGrew. I mean, Sean McGrew is tiny compared to Richard Newton, but he holds his water when it comes to pass pro. He's just he, he's better at the technique. He understands how to do it. Um, whether it's meeting him in the hole quicker, just being able to use the space a little bit better. I don't know, but him and Pleasant are the two guys that are the best in pass pro, and, and that's why they get the most and reps. And the thing is, if you go back three or four years ago, Sean McGrew is the one getting run over yeah. in pass mm-hmm. protection. Yeah. Sometimes it's just about getting getting more experience at it and, and figuring it out. It isn't just having more lead in your pencil. It's just it's literally sometimes it's just the technique and understanding, okay, if this guy's coming here, this is how I'm going to block. Yeah, it's not certainly yeah. not a black yeah. and white deal because I've, basically what you're just describing is the developmental phase. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys are going through the developmental phase right now, and they want to be where Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant are right now. They're getting there, but like you said, with, when he gets rocked by a guy like Sermon, and it, it just looks ugly because it's in space, mm-hmm. and, and Sermon just bowls him over like he's not even there. Um, yeah, that's not going to look good when you have to go through the film study. Well, you're talking about McGrew and Pleasant being the best on pass protection, but it seemed like last year it was Cam Davis who was in quite a bit on third downs, and that was because he's the one who seems to catch the ball the best out of the back. Yeah, I think him and McGrew are the two best out of the backfield for sure. Um, I mean, McGrew's just so good in space. I mean, that's why he's he's on kickoff return too. But kind of like your point, you know, Cam Davis, super big, physical, good at catching the ball out of the backfield. Um, I think we saw a couple of those today where I thought he looked real effective and good in his space. Yeah, don't discount, don't discount Pleasant too. Pleasant too, exactly. Pleasant is the guy. Remember, Arizona State wanted him as a, as a hybrid guy, and they really appreciated how he could almost be a receiver at times when he was coming out of high school. So, um, you know, Pleasant is another guy that can do some damage in, in there um, as well. And, and for all the good that Richard Newton did today, and he did a lot of good. Sean McGrew still had the most yards of all the running backs today, by my count. I mean, we'll have to wait till the official stats come out, but I still had him with more yards. JV on Sunday did some nice things. He seemed to try to cut a couple outside, and I'm not sure he's used to the speed, but, boy, when he cut it up into the middle, um, he had a couple of nice runs up the middle. Yeah, he did. Chris, what did you come up with for his? Was this like 11 for 22 or 12 for 22? Um, 12 for 22, I believe. Yeah. yeah. But so, he, I mean, he'd get four or five yards, but then he'd get he, stuck a couple yeah. times. So, so, but And there were a couple times where, Kim, like you said, he he had a hole in front of him but thought he could break it outside. Not these and days. he would get stopped. And so, um, But there was that one drive, uh, I think it was in the third quarter, late third quarter. I, don't know, I remember they were, heading, they were heading yeah, west. Yeah, they, they were cut it out way. right, and then yeah. he got met. Uh, but it, it isn't finish. just that. It, that whole drive, though, he, was, he got three straight first downs. Um, now, they weren't on three straight carries. He had a couple other carries in there. But he, he got him three first downs, three straight first downs, and yeah. uh, extended a drive. I think they ended up settling for a field goal. I think in a lot of ways what Sunday provides them and maybe what he'll start to provide them this fall is what Newton did a few years mm-hmm. back when Newton became kind of that. You know, Kim, you mentioned how he's a red zone, short yardage. You know, how many touchdowns did he have when he first came out? You like 11 ten. touchdowns or 10, ten touchdowns? I, I'm not saying that Sunday is going to be that guy this year because they have Newton still. But I think you're starting to see some traits develop where he can also be another short down, a short yardage or like red zone, third down type option for them. Yeah, they kind of run with that same attitude. You know, when the goal line or a first down six in front of them, they run a little bit harder, run, you know. They shift into first. Yeah, they shift in the first gear and they really get after it. Yeah, Devin Culp had another nice day today. He's been a real um, 
real um, pleasant surprise in the camp so far, and Kate Otten also had a nice day. Oh, my gosh, that one-handed touchdown grab, that was sick. Well, yeah, let's, I mean, let's be clear, though. I mean, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good things that the tight ends have done this spring. <laughs> it's the same as it ever was with Kate Otten. Kate Otten is that if we were doing zero to I'm going to pull a million right now. If, if we were doing zero to a hundred right now, Kate Otten's at a hundred. The rest of those guys combined, I don't even know if they're at seventy five or eighty. Um, he just does so many things so well and at such a high level, and he set the bar for that room. And no one that, I, in my opinion, has come even close mm-hmm. to matching what he brings. To that offense in terms of, you know, the one-handed catch for the touchdown today was just the start of it. I mean, you can break down his blocking, uh, you know, as an inline tight end um, and just all the different things that he provides. He's, you know, when when Dylan Morris started his first drive out, he's throwing one of the first few balls. is to ta- I mean, it was right one. in that middle. Yes, yeah, yeah. right to the middle. It's the one little stop route. He's just throwing. And I'm thinking, are we are – we did I, are we watching Oregon State all over again? Or are no. we watching one of the games from last year? Because well, that's I, exactly what he did. What I thought was Dylan was just trying to keep the captain happy. That's sure. what I thought, the captain <laughs> of his team. Got to keep your captain but the, happy. But if we go – so moving off of Kate Otten, I mean, his day almost goes without saying. It was just a solid Kate Otten day. I don't know if you've added up his stats I have yet. not. But my, my guess it would be somewhere around five receptions for about 50-some-odd yards, something like that. And he had the one-handed touchdown grab – where, where he was well covered. It wasn't like he was right. wide open. I mean, he was well covered, and he still makes a great catch. But I thought Devin Culp, from a receiving standpoint, had the best day. He, had, he was running a couple of those corner routes that he would get open on. O'Brien found him, uh, and I think um, Heward had him, too, yeah. on a couple of plays. And, See, unfortunately, until, yeah. he, until he catches a few in a, in a game, like a live yeah. game situation against someone else, He's, he still needs to erase that, uh, that stigma, that, yeah, the stigma of that miscatch against but, Utah, where that could have been a that yeah, was a huge, it was a pivotal pivotal play. play. But, but you watch what he did today, and he looked comfortable yeah. what he was doing. He caught the ball well, which he isn't the most natural receiver in the world. Caught the ball well. Um, seemed like he was a pretty good blocker. Um, we saw Quentin Morgan in there. Kim made the comment that he was in the backfield a couple times. Okay. Um, uh, I didn't see Redmond. I know Redmond played, yeah, but I didn't, didn't see. I didn't, didn't really see much, see much from no. him today, and and stuff. So um, you yeah, know, I saw are, more of like Zeke Blue. Yeah, I saw way more. Red, him, Redmond yeah. was the vanilla pudding today. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I'll tell it. you what, Colt. One of the things I will absolutely give Devin uh, Colt a lot of credit for is I really think he's worked on his hands. And I think – I don't know when or where the light came on in that, but at some point in the middle of this camp, he all of a sudden became a guy that I think the quarterbacks wanted to throw the ball to because they knew he'd catch the ball and he could make a play. Because there's never been a question, you guys, that once he's got the ball in his hands going down the field, he's a running back. I mean, he was that way when he was at Gonzaga Prep. He was basically a big running back when he had the ball in his hands. So no one's ever doubted his ability to get yards after the catch. It's just, can he catch the ball first? And at some point in the middle of this camp, it, it, the, light, the light switched on or something switched on because he all of a sudden became a really solid threat. And I hope that, that the, the, the confidence that he's generated uh, through this spring, I hope that continues into the fall because he's, he's built himself a solid foundation. Jalen Polk wasn't practicing today. Was that just purposely trying to keep him under wraps? No, I don't think so. Overall, I don't. I don't think Jimmy. I think he would have been out there. Um, 
He needs the rest. Yeah, he, he needs the rest. Yeah, he was out there uh, yesterday, Friday. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the what happened, but um, he was out there. So drops today. Uh, I had one by Odunzi. I had one by Odunzi, yeah. one by Taj Davis. Yeah. And those that were the out of dro- I guess that's Hewer just put yeah. on his hands. Those were the most egregious, I think, of yeah. the of the I- any other quote unquote drops were ones that were at least defended. Yeah. They they were they were stripped from them or not. And that's away. one thing we've got to talk about, guys, the, the lack of separation. I mean yeah. the DBs okay, and I, and again, I'm not trying to take away from the defensive backs because the defensive backs are really good. And I think everyone understands the sec- the secondary has been a, a big um, point of pride for this program for a long time now. That said, the receivers just aren't getting any sort of space. They they need to generate some space because they're just not getting. To it. McMillan's point, though, he did have a good he did have a good deep route where he got he had opened it a couple mm-hmm. he had a couple feet. I don't know who was on him, but it's just an overthrown yeah. ball. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, Sam Hewitt seems to like uh, Mr. Bynum out there, by the way. Well, that's yeah. the thing. You've got Terrell. Again, it's like Kate Otten and the rest of the tight end group. You've got Terrell Bynum playing at a high level. I don't, I don't know if he really – he didn't really stuff the, the stat sheet today. He did a few things. He did a few things very well. But you can tell he's the class of this receiver group. And there's guys, you know, whether you talk about Ataj Davis or Roma Dunzi, Jalen McMillan, Sawyer Racanelli, Jalen Polk, all those guys flashed. Many times this spring, they just could not put it together consistently. They just couldn't. I think right now, if I had to, if I had to handicap it, I think Rome is probably the number two guy. I think Jalen McMillan has come on strong this last week. Yeah. I think he's done he a has. great job. Um, so he's pushing, and again, he's like Colt. I think he's built a good foundation for himself this last week. He needs to keep pushing. But it's just been difficult. Racanelli's come on, you know. I mean, all those Racanelli guys have had, had spots. A couple nice catches across yeah, the middle. They've had good. They've had good times. Taj Davis had a couple great practices the last couple weeks. But again, the consistency just is not there right now. Just the def- not there. When we move over to the other side of the ball, the defensive backs. It just seems like every time I watch a practice, Elijah Jackson, number 25, is making a play, and he made one again today, Scott. Yeah, yeah. You know, we talked about it a little bit earlier. Drops off of his. His guy steps right in front of the pass from O'Brien to uh, who was that intended to? Was it Odunzi? No, it was Cole. Cole. Okay, sorry. Throws and, and I mean just makes an unbelievable play and then returns it really well too. Gets about what 10, 15 yards on yeah. the return, whatever it was. And um, yeah, I I was pleasantly I have been <clears throat> pleasantly surprised by both James Smith and uh, Elijah Jackson. I think they're going to be great second team. Uh, corners this year and likely challenging for first team duty next year because Trent McDuffie's likely gone and Kyler uh, Gordon, Kyler Gordon could eventually go too if they both have really good seasons. So yeah. I thought Mitch Powell had a good day today. Yeah, Mitch Powell did. He came he did, he's the, played very, very well all spring. I think he's been a very big surprise. Trent McDuffie do anything today? No, no he wasn't he dressed. Hasn't, he hasn't. He hasn't. He wasn't dressed. dressed. He hasn't done anything for a while now. He doesn't play in the full team. He plays. Stuff. Yeah, he, does he just all does all his individual drills stuff. and. And install, he does that. Too, I told but, I told people uh, yesterday, don't expect to see him. I, he just, just hasn't done anything. You just know what you're going to get with him. Well, not so much that, but I, I whether they whether they had him on a specific plan for whatever, because maybe he got maybe he had a, a cleanup procedure or surgery or something that we're not aware. We of. don't know. We don't, yeah, and case. so I mean, just, bottom line is it just leads to speculation. So why wouldn't he be playing? If he was 100 percent healthy, because guys like Otten are playing, even though you know what he's you know he's going to give you. Guys like Eddie Ulafosio, he's playing. You know exactly what he's going to give you. The two inside defensive linemen, they know exactly what they're going to give you. 
Asa, um, Asa Turner in a boot today. First time. Yeah, first time team. I saw that. His right foot. So basically, he's got his right foot in a boot. ZTF's got his left foot in a boot. Um, yeah, it's just weird. They've got three scooters rolling around because Plis- well, Pliska has got his foot in a boot as well. So it's just a bunch of scooters rolling around the sidelines. Is it wrong to say that Asa Turner has kind of had an odd camp? He's had a very odd camp because he's been around and he's played a bunch. But yet at the same time, if he, if he had something that was that was dinging Man, him you, up as big as big a deal where he has to now wear his foot in a boot, it's it's bizarre. It's yeah, I don't. It's odd. It's been odd. It's been odd, and I don't know if it's just something where but, it he was he was it was nagging him, and now all of a sudden, like the last couple of days or so, it's really gotten to the point I, where he can't do anything. I don't um, want to say it's a good thing that he's he was in a boot or that Alex Cook missed basically all of spring too. But the fact that Dominic Hampton and Jacoby Covington were both able to get a lot of reps at safety. Brendan Rad- Radley Hiles. Yeah. And Brendan, Radley Hi- Brendan Radley Hiles got a ton of reps at the safety spot as well as the nickel. I think they're playing him for both because I think they want to try to get him on the field as much as possible. And you mentioned the two freshman corners. Yeah. Scott, I would add the two freshman safeties as well. Yeah. Not, just, not just Covington, who I thought had a good day today. But uh, Mikella Steen, we did not see much of today. But I think overall, he's done some really and good things. Fabi Kulanen had an unbelievable yep. spring. I've been telling oh, people yeah. all spring that the the nickel battle between him and Bookie Radley Hiles is going to be incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's something that's going to I think it's going to wage on well into the fall, and uh, we'll see what happens from there. Eddie Ulufosio, I mean, again having a solid spring, but I think the guy who's really stepped up is the guy that just was under so much heat on social media last year and on the message boards. Jackson Kirkland, I mean Jackson Sermon, Sermon has had a really nice camp. Well, you had the build up there; you yeah. were ready to nail yeah. it. Yeah, Jackson mm-hmm. Sermon has been really solid. Well, again, we we mentioned the the pass pro thing with with Richard Newton, which was a highlight because it was in space. But yes, they he's locked down the middle there. No one, no one should doubt that the Ulufosio Sermon combination is ready to roll for twenty twenty one. That might upset some people, but you know he's he's developed and he's getting better. You've got to give him room for that. Sermon looks like he's also added some ball. I was just gonna say that I mean, uh, he's got guns now. When he was in the we get, with a presser, he looked he looked a lot bigger than he did the year before. So he's added some weight, and it looks like it's been good weight because he's still moving around real well. Uh, definitely got in. I thought the linebackers overall looked real well today um, as well. Miki Ayu. Um, he had some, he had some moments. He definitely yeah, had some like, He had some flash moments. I That's guess. the thing. One of the things that those guys really have to work on is fitting in the run game and really filling. I thought he did a nice job of that at times. I thought uh, Daniel Hamuli had a nice job of doing that. Uh, Josh Calvert almost had a pick today. Should have had a pick. Yep. I, so all, all of them have flashed again from time to time. Again, and I, and I know I'm, I sound like a broken record, guys, and I apologize, but just – the consistency piece. The, the consistency is what it's what's going to push these guys up the depth chart. And right now, they they haven't shown the consistency that tells me they're gonna they're gonna push Sermon and Ulufosio. Those guys are too well entrenched, I think, at this point. But I think Hamuli and Ayu have really started to make a move. I, it just seems like the lights come on for them. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you on that. I, I think they have. I'm, but I agree with Chris. They are. They are two or three steps behind yeah. uh, Ulufosio and Sermon at this point in time. Now, they've got four months to get it right. They've got four months to get better and play better. But at this point in time, no question in my mind that come Montana, September 4th, right? September 4th? I think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, September 4th, whoever, the, whatever the rest of the lineup looks like, 
Ulufosio and Sermon are going to be the starters. Yeah, and, and just like your point with Asa Turner, maybe that opportunity mm-hmm. getting for other guys to go in. Um, with Alfonso Tupatala banged up for whatever reason. I mean, he was on the sidelines again with today. Yeah, and he wasn't and he wasn't playing on Friday. So he's been out better part of a week so far. Um, that's given more opportunities for guys like Calvert and Ayu and, and Daniel Haymuli to get in there as well as um, you know, a Drew Fowler, for instance, has been has been um, getting more and more reps. Ben Hines. Um, ben Hines is. I. You know what? I mentioned. I put Ben Hines down, and I'm going to be talking about him in my um, my my spring game story. Um, he is just a smart kid. He's like Ulafosio in a number of ways. In terms of, if you want to know where the ball is, just figure out where he is because he's always around where the ball is, and he's making plays. I mean, he's not the biggest kid. He's not even six feet tall. Um, but he sticks his nose in. He's a tough kid. And he's, you know, to be a walk-on in this program this many years and not get a scholarship, that tells you that they clearly see a lot of value in a guy like Ben Hines. And I think he's done a very, very nice job. You know, one of the guys that just really jumped out today, and I talked to Jimmy Lake a little bit about this post-game, was, you know, Jeremiah Martin. Um, they really liked him coming out of high school. He went down to Texas A&M, and just, you know, a lot of the talk down there was he was just a guy down there. They were disappointed with him. He didn't do much. And, you know, I tried to get out of Jimmy how they're using him differently here than they did at Texas A&M. He wasn't really biting. But, you know, when you take a look, I can't ever remember a guy in that position or a linebacker position who's got their hands on as many balls, you know, with their feet, you know, well off the ground. He just seems to get his well, hands he on is, the he's ball. Huge. Yeah, he's huge. First of all, he's huge, but he's getting in space. Akaka Malloy talked about how they loved what his potential could be in space. Because remember, they recruited him out of high school. Yeah. So they know what kind of athlete they would be getting. And they know that he was only getting bigger, faster, stronger during his time at Texas A&M because those guys have a top-notch strength and conditioning program, no question about it. Um, One of the things I would say is how we talked about how vanilla things were on offense and they just weren't going to get very exotic. I think the same has got to be said probably for the outside linebackers in terms of, you know, did they want to show much in terms of pressures? Did they, you know, want to, you know, put a lot on film? I think they they played it very, very straight in terms of their edge rush. But the one thing I think you did see is I think you saw that the, the guys on the edge could really set it and really hold it very well. Cooper McDonald, yeah, he wasn't necessarily getting in the backfield like crazy, but I'll tell you what, no one was getting past him, and he was stuffing guys, and he was spilling the run inside. He was doing a really good job of that. Jordan, the, the combination of Martin and Jordan Lolohea guys, mm. that's two guys that are 265-plus that are just – they're gonna. They're just gonna spill everything inside. You're not gonna try to get around them. If they play their technique right to that outside shoulder, they're gonna. I mean, it's gonna be difficult for for running backs to find room uh, outside, or they're gonna have to bounce it way outside. And one of the interesting things too is it just seems like every practice that uh, you know the defensive coaches are mentioning Braylon Trice. Jimmy and Jackson Kirkland both kind of told us today that Braylon Trice actually opted out last season. I wasn't aware of that. I don't know. If yeah, I think Scott there. Scott's theory on this is probably correct in the sense that we knew the three guys. We knew Taj Davis. We knew Isaiah Gilchrist. We knew Jacob Kaiser. We knew those three guys because they did it well before the season started. And then obviously the stop start of when the Pac-12 season was going to start and all that kind of stuff. I think during fall camp, which is what Scott surmised, it makes sense to me 
Sometime at fall camp, he decided it was just not going to – it wasn't going to happen for him. We talked a little bit earlier about some of the walk-ons and the quality of some of the walk-ons right now with Drew Fowler, Ben Hines, Misha Powell, um, Casey, Casey, Casey Kitchen. Kitchen did a great job. They, Zeke Pelour. Zeke Pelour did a good job on offense today, I thought. They've got some guys that are going to be looking at scholarships at some point here. You'd think. I mean, again, we – you know, we – not to drift too far into special teams or whatnot, but, you know, Peyton Henry, two for two today. Uh, Tim Horn, now he's a scholarship guy, but he went two for two today. And Peyton Henry is a scholarship yep. guy now. And then Race Porter, yeah. you know, was a walk-on initially. Is Race Porter, we've seen what he can do, not just as a punter, but as a holder. Special teams, um, you know, a guy that they've really, really leaned on a lot. So there's no doubt. There are certain guys that are that are, that are pushing up the ranks. Um, there, There's no... Two guys right now that I think are, are pushing harder right now than, than Mish Powell and, and Kaysen Kinchin. Kaysen got dinged up a little bit in the middle of camp, so I don't know if that helped him as much. But Michelle Powell has been a focal point. Because Trent McDuffie, and this might be the biggest example of a guy getting an opportunity because one of the guys in front of him just didn't play. And that was Trent McDuffie giving it up because Mish Powell was the one that played in Trent McDuffie's place for a lot of spring. A lot of spring because we got to remember Trent was doing those individual drills, but as soon as it went into the 11 on 11 situations or team periods, those types of things, Mish Powell was almost always the number one guy across from Kyler Gordon. Those were the two guys that played the most. Wrapping it up, Jack, you got midterms coming up. I got some midterms coming up. Um, what, Rocks for Jocks and uh, Square uh, Dancing? Yeah, square yeah dancing. and um, yeah, or a that that ballet class, you know, those dancing classes, yeah, one on one. We call we used to call it underwater BB stacking, <laughs> underwater basket weaving. Just if you if you having any troubles, call Luke. He'll walk you through. Right, right. But, but uh, just final thoughts. Uh, yeah. yeah, final thoughts. I thought um, I thought the defensive tackles did a great job today. I think that's something we could have mentioned more. I thought they did a great job getting pressure inside. Uh, I don't, you know, kind of like Chris said. I don't, know if, you know, they were being a little vanilla with their. Uh, outside linebacker scheme to overall the defensive tackles it seemed like they they got up the middle quite a bit and uh, that was good to see um dylan morris uh, like we said earlier i thought he had a pretty good day today tight ends um i think i think it's really good to see kind of how scott uh, was saying devin Culp really making a big move this spring uh, not only in the blocking but with the cat i think that's really good to have him and kate otten um manning that room and then also, um, I think final thoughts for the spring is I think if the wide receivers are able to be a little more consistent, this offense could be real dangerous. Um, you know, not as many drop balls and then obviously getting more space because the t- I think the talent's there, no question. They got speed, physicality, and a lot and grit, which is, you know, a great combination. So if that's able to be there, I think that offense is going to be good. Wrap it up, Chris Fetters. Yeah, I just think overall um, it starts for me always up front, and I thought the offensive line had a real mixed day. Um, especially when you look at the centers, tough day, snapping the ball at times. Um, we know – so that – I mean, that's an instant focal point for this summer. I think the quarterbacks and the centers are going to be working on a lot of stuff um, just in terms of their um, their own personal stuff, their one-on-one type stuff. Um, I think that also, you know, when it comes down to it, I mean, if for people that didn't see today, didn't whether it was here or on TV – the, the, the units, the offensive line units and the defensive line units basically stayed the same. So whoever was in the number one offensive line stayed that way the entire game, and they played on both, on both teams. Um, so it was good to keep that continuity there, but not having Victor Kern, for instance, at right tackle for most of spring has been tough. 
um, good reps for a guy like Mateo Mele, for instance, and, and Roger Rosengarten going from left tackle to right tackle um, has been an interesting thing as well. But overall, so many guys, Kim, that this was a great platform for them to push forward. We'll see who really makes the big step up in the fall because right now it's all to play for at so many positions. Scott Eklund? Uh, agree with Chris. Lots of great competition all spring long. It was a great I, – I thought this was a very productive spring for the for the Huskies, especially a lot of the younger guys. And just given um, the, the pandemic, I yeah. mean, just to be able to have a full spring. Yeah, definitely. And, and um, it was great to have fans in the stands. It's the first time they played in front of fans and – what 16 months whatever it is and and um really fun for i think the players had a lot of fun with it um it was great to see husky nation come out great day for on the field i thought it was fun just to see a game an actual game um something we hadn't seen for a long time overall i think it's great momentum for this for the off season um they're going to go in they're going to do some work they got a lot of things to work on second year in under Don, john donovan's system second year with jimmy lake as the head coach I think this this team is built to to win now, and um, they really need to get it done. And hopefully, they can. I think they've got a great base to work off of. And now we go into the off season and uh, for uh, three months until the start of, of uh, fall camp. Spring football is wrapped up for us, but uh, post spring uh, coverage will continue all next week. We'll break down every position next week. Some interesting things to keep an eye on, you know, transfer portals out there. Will there be some defections from this roster that enter the transfer portal? Will there be some guys that they maybe try to pick up out of the transfer portal? So after spring ball, it'll be interesting to, you know, pick up on that. Uh, Official visits start on June 1st, so that'll be interesting, and Scott will be all over that. In addition, basketball has just been insane. You know, huge pickup for Mike Hopkins yesterday with Langston Wilson, 6'9", just absolute freak athlete, uh, basketball player, committed to Washington yesterday. That's a huge get, and we're expecting a, some more news on basketball over the next couple of a- days. So, A maybe, guy who shoots a 1,000 shots per day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. So just real, uh, By the way, I don't know if you knew this, but his dad played at Villanova and as and well as for the Globetrotters. So interesting story there. Also, um, you know, some stuff, assistant coach is going to be hired. They've got a couple more commits I'm expecting to, you know, pop here any day. So keep an eye on the hoops board. Uh, We've got a promotion running right now, 50% off our VIP, our premium subscriptions. So for those of you who haven't uh, jumped in yet today, uh, you know, the next couple of days would be a good opportunity for you to do so. Also real quick, Kim, that is for new subscribers, also for existing monthly subscribers subscribers that want to upgrade to a yearly, you can now do it for half off. Yeah, and just uh, one more time, just that reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com. I'll get you hooked up, subject line newsletter. So for all of us at dogman.com, with Jack McCauley, Chris Fetters, Scott Eklund, I'm Kim Reynolds. Go dogs.